Welcome back. In our last episode of the Marketing Ops Now podcast series, we spoke about marketing playbooks. And we just can't get enough of it. We spoke about the added value of a playbook for marketing, its content, the format, its ownership. And we're so sorry to have left you all stoked up and ready to give it a go. We can hear you think, I'd like to get started, but where to begin? Well, to reap the benefit of a playbook, you only have to do two simple things. Write it and adopt it. And to write a playbook is to use the RACI model. That's how you start. RACI is all about responsible, accountable, consulted and informed. And to drive adoption, (laughs) use Lego Serious Play. We're not kidding. We're dead serious about playing. It turns out that this method worked for dozens of brands. So are you ready to go? Because we are. Hi, Ralph. Great to be back. Love to talk to you about playbooks. (laughs) Nice to see you back again, Franz. Playbooks is one of my favorite topics, most probably. Yeah, we're just preparing it and uh, you have some concerns here and there and I tend to agree with some of them. Let's talk about playbooks. What should be the role of a playbook in a marketing team? I've been working in my past, having been head of of marketing and and companies, I, I sometimes also use playbooks. So a playbook, if you go back, is coming from the American guy. It's a book containing a sports team strategies in place, in specifically in American football. So this is the origin of playbooks. So I've used it in the past, and sometimes it's it's pretty good in terms of getting discipline into a team. What I was always focusing on is the powers in the process, as my colleagues always said. So number one, a playbook should be some sort of comprehensive definition of all processes you're running, number one. I guess that's good. That's important. You need a playbook for that. I'm not sure. But it's good if the playbook is some sort of tool to get it communicated and infiltrated into your organization, number one. But hand in hand with the playbook, what I'm always looking for is some sort of racy matrix. Racy means who's responsible, who's accountable, who gets consulted, or who just gets informed. So always to say, we know exactly who's doing what and who has which sort of dance floor area within the process. So if you need a playbook for that, good. Or what I've done in the past is just prepared some sort of racy and then had some workshops with my team. So it, it's always a question is how formula you want to make it or not. But I have two good examples, at least one good example. We've been written some sort of playbook for a stationary retail food company, a discount in Germany. And basically, it was all requirements for marketing resource management. So we've been writing 140 pages, 160 pages, all requirements, all nitty-gritty details, process, racy matrix, who's doing what, and all nitty-gritty definitions we put in there. So number one, it was meant originally to be as a requirements catalog for the MRM implementation. But it showed off to be some sort of playbook because everybody of their guys now came back and said, oh, for the first time within the requirements catalog, I really did understand who's doing what in our department. So the requirements catalog turned around to become some sort of playbook for their internal operations, which was not the original intention, but which was pretty beneficial. 
So the point is, which sort of tool do you need to get something structured and organized in your company? Do you need some sort of a manifesto? Do you need some sort of a playbook? Or do you just need some sort of a transformation map hanging on the wall where some sort of common guidelines and rules are just written down? I like that last part because you just described there this MRM playbook you had contained quite a few pages, over 100 pages. And and that brings us to another part of a playbook. How should it look like? How big should it be? How should it be phrased? Should you copyright it? Because I can imagine if you're in a line of fire and I don't tell anything new here, if I say that in marketing, we're in a constant state of panic and, and stress. So we don't have a lot of time to read a manual. I often compare it with if you're a a soldier and you're in the line Mm -hmm. of fire, you don't have time to read the manual, ask the enemy not to shoot for a moment because you need to read how you should use your gun. You're too late, (laughs) you know, you're toast. So how big should that be? Should it be a simple line catchphrase that people can remember? How did you do that? My, my, one of my former managers at Volkswagen Group always said, listen, it's like you're a woodcutter and you're in the mountains, you're cutting wood, and you say, I need to go down and sharpen my axe, but I don't have the time for it. So as you say, we are in the line of fire, but sometimes you need to sharpen your axe to perform better as you've done before. It doesn't make any sense to have a not well-prepared axe and always hammer down on, on wood just to get it cut down. My mother would have said, do your homework first. I do think some sort of a playbook should have some sort of simple things. What are stakeholders? What are the market opportunities? What are the market opportunities we are trying to shoot for? Do we have all the same understanding about strategy and how the corporate strategy cascades down to marketing strategy? What is our solution overview? So which sort of solutions are you offering? And how do our solutions fit into the market and customer requirements. So sometimes it's pretty helpful if you do it on PowerPoint or you do it in a, in a written way in Word file format to have all your information in a comprehensive way, everything being together. Do you need 100 pages for that? Most probably not. So the problem is always the more you write down, the more people forget afterwards. So my point of that is always lean back and what is really important for us? What are the three to four takeaways everybody should take out out of a playbook? Or if you have something like a detailed lead management funnel and lead management definition thing with it, yes, it's good to have it written down somewhere, but do it in a pretty pragmatic way. Since if you end up in some sort of theoretical description on 200 pages, hardly everybody will read it, number one. So you have done some sort of theoretical exercise but it will not become operational. Exactly. And that that makes me think of this quote of a famous author, and I think every country uh, claims it's their uh, author, but who wrote to his wife when he was on a holiday, sweetheart, I would have written a shorter letter if I would have had more time. And I think that's the same here with a playbook. Less is more, right? I completely agree. The funny thing is, psychologists say that normally people have the tendency to keep in their minds two to three things. So if you tell you 10 things, you only will keep two or three. That's what's the normal span of attention which every human being has. So make it crisp and, and compelling. And if you have any further details or you need to make a deep dive into a lead management process or lead qualification criteria or positioning, brand strategy or whatever, 
there might be other documents in the background. So a playbook should be just, what are the essentials? How do we work together? So something, if France, you and me, we have drunk 20 beers at night, we would meet each other in the bar and still from marketing operations perspective, I would be able to tell you the three or four mandatory things on marketing operations in my company. Yeah? So make it crisp, compelling. So the larger the organization is, the worse it gets to really disseminate all the information to everybody being involved. Yeah, and this is where I like your example of the RACI model. I once spoke to a CFO of a coffee company, a European one, and he said, I spelled out every detail of the RACI model, every person behind it, it didn't work. And I said, but that's not the idea of the RACI model. You yeah. know, you yeah. have to know who's accountable, who's responsible. So whose head will be chopped off is not necessarily the same person as who's doing the job. It could be, but it, it's a role. And consulted and informed, don't even worry about that too much. And then he came back later and he said that that really works to make it simple. What are examples you have, how you used and applied RACI model? I've done it five, six, seven times, I guess, in my professional life. And so two major findings on that is number one, RACI should not be a top-down exercise, but you need all to get bottom-up people involved to say, since those people know their detailed operational processes in detail, and they will have, uh, we will come back with nitty-gritty questions. So that's number one. Number two, RACI, again, is also only a tool. It doesn't help you if you just send out an email with a RACI of 400 uh, lines and you say, everybody should learn it by heart until tomorrow. doesn't work. So a second finding from my perspective is you need to frame it in some sort of change management workshop. You need to get everybody together to say, now let's make a role play. Or what we've done most recently is a legal series play workshop. So where everybody, you know the RACI, as I presented the RACI to you, now you, for your department, you're building some sort of legal model on what are the tasks, what are the activities in, with you and your department. So you're just building a legal model, yeah? Phrase it way. You transfer, you translate the RACI into a legal model. Works out perfectly well. Even if you have senior executives, everybody loves to play Lego, number one. First, they start giggling around, hee 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 we should play Lego, hey, I'm a board member of a serious company. But after 10 minutes, everybody starts playing Lego. And Lego gives you a good feeling and you're connected with your hands, basically to something tangible, which makes it that you remember it. And then afterwards, we ask people to say, now we have 10 different Lego models in the room. How do these connect to each other? What are the interface? So basically, again, I'm just translating the RACI into Lego model. And this works out fairly well. And we need to find ways to translate RACI into something operational, which people like to be remembered. Whereas where they think they will not think about the RACI anymore. So this is at least a finding I had with three, four Lego series play workshops. Nobody's caring about the RACI, but they will still remember the Lego model. You remember, Franz, the Lego model I built? And here's a cutoff point where you need to take over. Oh, yes, I remember. So nobody's talking about RACI anymore, but about the Lego models, which gives it some sort of good mood, good atmosphere, good flavor. That's a fantastic example and exercise and, and very playful. So it's really sticky. And I would like to learn more about the Lego because that defines the handshakes, the handovers. I remember I've worked for a bank 
where they had problems with the sales department, flooding them with requests. And most of them were not even relevant or linked to the strategy. So what we did is very simple. We just put a Google form. Can you imagine it was a corporate, a Google form in between the sales department and us. And then marketing said they will never fill that out. They said, yes, they will. If we promise them that we will answer within eight office hours, which they normally didn't do. And that was the handshake from then on done. So I, I, with the Lego models, can you give examples how that worked? A fantastic example. I, I still love it. We had a fast-moving consumer good company, and we had direct-to-consumer, direct sales business coming to the table, marketing, so indirect sales. Basically, FMCG means we are selling across indirect channels, and CIO, so IT department. All three entities coming to the table, and they have pretty much conflicting interests, yeah, if you're honest with each other. So they need to cooperate, but on the other side, they have sometimes conflicting interests. And we said, guys, we are not able to solve it by PowerPoint. So it's just impossible, yeah, if you're honest with each other. I can write 400 pages of PowerPoint, but at the end, it doesn't help you. I will only make some sort of description of the situation you have, but it will not solve the situation. So our take on that is CMO, CIO, head of sales, direct to consumer. We do Lego series play workshop. I need two days of you guys. And we started playing, and even board members, yeah, they said, should I start playing Lego? Really, it's, it's a job thing, it's, uh, it's serious. But then after 10 minutes, everybody started. The first exercise everybody needed to do is, please build some sort of model with Lego figures on which sort of activities you're doing in your vacation time. So just some sort of an icebreaker task. So everybody was then sitting there playing with Lego and building their model and telling everybody then afterwards, so this is my Lego model and I like go skiing and here is a is a hill and I'm driving down the hill and all that stuff. Yeah? So it was some sort of funny at the beginning, just some sort of icebreaker exercise. And then we asked them, okay, stepwise, now build what are the objectives, tasks, and functional areas in your department. So everybody was working, 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 building his or her own model, and then needed again to present it to everybody else. And the good thing is with Lego Series Play, since, since that time, I love Lego Series Play, honestly. They are not talking about themselves anymore, but they are talking and presenting their Lego model. Yeah? So you're doing some sort of abstraction layer. Huh? You're not talking about yourself, but you're just describing the Lego model which you have in your hand. And you describe it to somebody else, which is extremely powerful. You know, I'm just trying to get politics out of the room and your career path and your budget and whatever is in your mind. I just take it away. Now, France, you're just talking about your Lego model, not about yourself, not about career and salary, just about your model. The last exercise was always, now let us understand how does your model work together with the model of IT with marketing, IT with direct-to-consumer. So we forced them to get their models being integrated. Also, the Lego models they just built, one by one, needed to become integrated as an overall corporate Lego model. And then they start working with, yeah, well, but here we do have an issue. But they're not talking about their dancing places or their authorities or budgets, but they really still keep on being focused on their Lego models. This worked out extremely nice. And then they came back to say with three or four statements, well, we have an issue since my Lego model is not working well with yours. Okay, I said, okay, and what is the reason for that? Yeah, we need to get clarity on X, Y, Z. Okay, but all decision makers are in the room. Now you guys, you can just find a simple rule. We only have four issues to be solved. 
Again, build it with Lego or make some sort of proposal and then find a conclusion from your side. Again, with Lego, they came to the table and prepared a solution and they came out. They just noted it down. So we took the RACI aside, which was not needed anymore, but they have solved it with Lego. It was two years ago and they still do remember the Lego exercise that that was good, that helped us all to come together on a joint playing field. I never expected to talk about Lego in a playbook podcast and I love it and it's probably a new product that we could sell through Lego, right? Absolutely. I guess Lego is pretty happy since Lego Series Play is so powerful and cool stuff, honestly. What we discussed earlier, Franz, is marketing operations, if you're using playbooks, racy models or whatever, is pretty often has a lot to do with change management to get an organization behind an idea and make an organization perform in the right direction. So I guess whichever tool is good to win people's hearts and minds is good also when we look into marketing operations. I have a very good experience with Lego Series Play. In another case, we all sent them to, you know, Myers-Briggs MBTI, psychological testing, and we sent them all into Myers-Briggs type indicator testing. And then we asked them that they should present their specific type to the rest of the team so that everybody could discuss how they work, best work with each other. And then we went back and say, okay, now we know which sort of characters are sitting in front of ourselves. How should we smoothen out all the discussions we have had over the last couple of months and make all processes run smoother as before? So sometimes you just need some sort of icebreaker, a different playing field, since if we have endless discussions, who's doing what, doesn't help. Because everybody directly is thinking about salary and career of paths and hierarchies and what the heck ever. Great. And the next question is, when do you know you need a playbook? Because what is the starting point? I only know in outside marketing, there's a lot of playbooks, like sales is a big fan of it. But there's also revenue, there's also attribution playbooks I ran into. But I think in marketing, there's probably only one. When there are glass particles in baby food, then we need to stress out, have a press conference, uh, a recall action. And there is a playbook, yes, but that goes all the way up to the CEO, I guess. And then it's some serious business. But deeper down below, when do we know we need a playbook? Is it the amount of escalations, the delays, poor performance, crowded meetings? Difficult to say. I do think the bigger the organization becomes, the more different interfaces you have also with other entities, the less structured an organization is, the more interrupts you have in an operational processes, the bigger the need is and most probably to having some sort of structure and might be a playbook behind. So my take on that would be the bigger the organization, the more I need to set up some sort of organizational boundaries, the better it is to have some sort of structured discussion around the playbook. But as I said, does it need to be a playbook of 140 pages? I'm not sure about that. Just a couple of written rules and then all the nitty-gritty details are just stored somewhere else. If you want to have a look into lead management, qualification criteria, here's a PowerPoint deck. I would manage it in a pretty pragmatic way. So otherwise, you end up in a theoretical exercise. Producing thousands and thousands of pages just will lead you to nowhere. Yeah, and that's often heard complaint or objection to using a playbook. And one of the phrases I use, the arguments to convince them to do some kind of playbook type of exercise is when people say, yeah, but people won't stick to it. They won't adhere to it. They won't listen to it. They won't even read it. They go like, 
it worked already. Yes. If you look at traffic, we all decided to drive on the right-hand side, except in the UK, and that works. We have a lot less accidents. That's the purpose and the idea of a playbook. And indeed, the phrases need to be that simple that you can uh, recall Okay, I have to drive on the right-hand side yeah. because otherwise. It yeah, but, but but France, all the, the coming back to your driver's license is you not only having a playbook, but you also got some sort of testing, and you need to apply for your driver's license, and you have some written tests behind. Yeah, so there's some sort of change management infrastructure, to phrase it that way, in the background. Yeah, and what does not work from my perspective is just write it down, send an email to all colleagues, and say. Now this is the house of cards rule and you all need to obey those rules. doesn't work. The question is, how do I do the change management? How do I get it infiltrated into the organization? A fool with a tool is still a fool. So a playbook is just a tool and we need to make it operational and find ways in terms of change management, if it's Lego series play or some other tool or trick or methodology to make it operational in the organization. And I like that change infrastructure. I recall I created some kind of implementation playbook, which consultants of a software company I worked for could use at the client side for client implementations. Mm -hmm. And there were a specific set of steps, only five steps that every single big or small implementation went through quicker or slower, depending on the size. And they all had to get certified. Mm -hmm. And they had great pride in being certified. Is that what you mean with the change infrastructure? Are there Make somebody just... Not just that they have the playbook in their hands, they can take it at home, but how do we make it operational? Are you going to pass a test? Or do we have change workshops? Or do we have an offsite where we have role plays? For example, we've done a market research study in marketing once in the company I worked for, and we defined market potentials, but our sales colleagues didn't believe in those market potentials, and also not in the personas. Then we went out together with sales colleagues and we did some role plays. Now, you are a housewife, and you are Angelica, 45 years old, and what are your needs? Yeah, you just make it operational, getting away from PowerPoint and a bunch of piles of paper, play around with it. And they all started laughing, but at the end, everybody knew exactly what the profile of the persona Angelica is and what are her needs. If I would have sent it to you just as a PowerPoint documentation, nobody would have cared. And there's a good book, and we had him as a speaker, Paul Smith, and he was once the head of market research for Procter Gamble in the US, and he found out that nobody reads their market studies within Procter Gamble. So every Friday, they've been sending all the new stuff and new market studies to different product lines. Nobody was reading that stuff. Then Paul once came back with the idea, tell it with a story. So he started telling stories to say, well, here's Bill and his wife, They are living in the Midwest or Mideast or wherever in the US and there's a household and Bill is working for a strong construction company and blah, 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 blah. So he started around his market research, he started telling stories. Since suddenly within Procter Gamble, everybody started reading his stories. Every Friday, they waited already for the next episode of his story. And while reading through the story, he conveyed all the core essentials of the market studies. But nobody understood that basically it was just a way and transmission belt, so to say, to convey um, content. It worked out fairly well. And Paul told me one day, because he was sick, he was not able to send out the email on Friday. So everybody then started calling him, sending him emails. Where's the story? It's Friday. We're waiting for it. So I do think there's a lot of power in it. 
tell it with a story. Racy or a playbook is a good sound instrument, but it's only 30% of the effort. So major focus, 70% should be, how do you make it operational in a company setting? And if I'm using Lego series play, if I tell it with a story, if I'm going to do role plays, whichever sort of tool I'm going to use, I need to make it, bring it to life. Oh, and now we come to marketing ops, job titles and functions. This is something they should drive, this adoption of a playbook? Absolutely. Otherwise, you start producing theoretical things. Then you have your playbook, you have your ratio, you have your corporate guidelines and all that stuff. And nobody cares. Yeah. So if you want to make marketing operations really work, find ways to get it into the organization. Even if you have a marketing department of 60, 70, 100 people or even smaller, so they need to adopt it, they need to learn it, they need to transfer it to their daily work. So basically, you need to reach the hearts and minds of your colleagues. And the majority of the case, at least what I found out, has absolutely nothing to do with monies. It is more reaching minds and hearts to say, hey, that's cool. That's a new way of working. We should adopt to that. I think that's a very nice end of this podcast about playbooks. It was very insightful, many new ideas. And yeah, thank you once again, Ralph, for your sharing your experiences and insights. So great. Pleasure as always, Franz. Hope to talk to you soon. Thank you.